2: It's Fella once again to tell you all about Manscaped. I know you love hearing about this. (laughs) Gentlemen, Father's Day is just around the corner, and our friends at Manscaped are here to ensure all father figures out there are looking daddy cool in their material this June. Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0, which includes their signature Lawnmower 4.0, is the perfect bundle to tackle any and all old man hair from head to toe. This right here, this is no dad joke. Treat him and yourself and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. With this exclusive offer get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code terrace at www.manscape.com trust me it's dad bod will thank you as i've already told you about before the performance package 4.0 has everything you could want and i bet it's the same for your old man as well if he uses the same razor on his face or his head and his body then make sure that that unhygienic practice is no more with the lawnmower 4.0 which is included in the pack You've also got the weed whacker for ear and nasal hair, as we know that tends to accelerate as men get older. And there's all the other goodies to keep him feeling comfortable, smelling good and feeling great about himself this Father's Day. Dads, buy this for yourself. Sons, buy this for you and your dad. Ladies, buy this for your brother, your dad, your son, anybody who you think deserves to be feeling fresh and clean this summer. So get 20% off on free shipping with the code Terrace at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use the code Terrace. Shake what your mama gave you? Nah, shake what your daddy gave you.
0: And welcome to the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Craig Telfer, and on this occasion, I am joined once again by a man who, if I wasn't friends with him already, would despise because of the way he conducts himself on social media. He's smug, he's snarky, and he knows better than you. It's Craig Anderson.
1: Hi, Craig, and I'm glad that that uh, that reputation I've cultivated for myself continues to uh, um, continues to work in it, and it is is very much one of those cases of. Uh, A complete difference between the online and in-person persona.
0: Honestly, anyone who's listened that hasn't met Craig, give him a go. Lovely guy. Can't speak highly enough of him. And you know what happens when two Craig's collide? That's right, you're going to get a 10 out of 10 podcast about the Scotland national team because on Wednesday night, our men's team defeated Armenia 2-0 in the first match of their Nations League campaign. Tony Ralston and Scott McKenna got their first Scotland goals. And in truth, this was as comfortable a performance as I've seen from Scotland in about two or three years. Never required to get out of first gear. And in truth, it could have been about five or six. Craig... Give me your shoot opinion on
1: Scotland 2, Armenia 0. Yeah, it was one of those games that you feel like you can't even learn very much from because yeah. they were they were dreadful. Like, I, I, I was like, I got to like five minutes into the game and I was like, they've touched the ball about three times here and, you know, like if we don't win this game, there's something wrong. And then probably <laughs> the next five minutes, they were, I wouldn't even say threatening, but they were like, all right, okay, they look slightly less incompetent than they did in the first five, but then... To be honest, the remaining eighty were more like the first five. They they were really really a poor team, and and for me, it actually makes it difficult to make judgments on most of the players because you're like, how how do you how do you assess whether the the, the completely changed uh, center backs, the three new center backs that were playing, were they good or were the opponents just so bad that they didn't have anything to do?
0: Certainly not think if the the chances, there's a couple of chances, particularly in the second half where the Armenia hit us in the counter-attack a couple of times. But you could see the likes of like, like Jack Hendry and John Suter did very well in recovering and, and blocking and are certainly limiting their shots to right at Craig Gordon. But you're, you're absolutely right in terms of using this as an exercise to kick on for the game against Ireland at the weekend, which you would imagine, certainly on paper at least, is a tougher assignment. I don't necessarily we, we think we've learned all that much from it and I think that if anything I suppose it was what you would want to see from Scotland after last week, after the Ukraine game where everyone was really down in the dumps and really disappointed with Scotland's performance I think that's all we could have really asked for, just a a good, committed professional,
1: solid performance and just making a good stab at the start of the Nations League Yeah, and it it was a, a few changes to the team as well, so kind of reusing that depth, but yeah all you can do is win these games. And, and I think, like, I I, saw, I I do think that there was an overreaction to a, a single bad performance last week, if you know what I mean. Like, it's obviously understandable because it's a big game, but that that's seven wins out of eight in competitive games now. It's like, you're not exactly talking about um, an ailing side or anything like that. It's just that the, the one that was the, the biggest one, we, we completely fucked up and, and we talked at length about that last week. Yeah, this, this was more like the the qualifying games and that we were playing against a team that we were much better than and we we basically controlled the game and managed the game, I think, because the the let's let's say we were not playing at hundred percent in the second half, we'll put it that way. It was walking pace. It was uh um, and it was interesting because I, I thought like the likes of McGregor, McGinn, Adams, the guys that you're you're going to be hanging your hat on again on Saturday with a come off. But rather than coming off, it was just like I just, just stay on, but you just walk about <laughs> instead. You're not gonna you're not gonna bust a gut for anything. Now you were at the game last night, Craig. Yeah I was, yeah. I had to leave I had to leave uh, about twelve minutes early in order to to catch a train, my last train home, but I I was there.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask that. What was your experience like at the game? I mean, I I was there. I was again working for the Scottish FA, the the host of the business club. We we're lucky enough to have Craig Brown. There was was a guest there, which was which was fantastic. You know, like an absolute legend of of Scottish football. But it, it, I think it the crowd was better than I had anticipated. I think given all the factors that there there was the, the apathy towards the team after the the Ukraine result. There was like really bad weather. The fact there's a fairly low stakes game against unremarkable opposition, and then chucking the the Scotrail, uh, the the limited timetable, and you sort of uh, a recipe, I thought it was going to be about thirty odd thousand, but certainly I was uh, there. Was
1: more people there than I perhaps anticipated? Yeah, and and yeah, and, and it felt like there was still a pretty decent enough atmosphere for that type of game. Like it was. It was busy. There was noisy enough. Like not, you know, you're not going to get the same atmosphere as you get. And it comes back to that stuff we talked about last week as well. When it, when it's daylight, it, it, mm-hmm. it's not the same. You don't get that that same sense. It, it was a bit too warm and a bit too too daylighty to get a good a great atmosphere. But it was funny if anyone had been listening to like my podcast last week or following me on Twitter and then watched me at the game. It was like Aaron Hickey came on as a sub and about thirty seconds later I walked out of the stadium and uh, <laughs> I thought like they, they would be they'd be thinking I was taking that to really real extreme. So, so I can't actually I was I was I thought about trying to put it on my phone to just watch the last fifteen as I was walking back in and then it was absolutely pissing down at that point and I'm like I'm not Mm-hmm. When I huddle for my wee phone, when I, I knew pretty much what was going to happen was nothing. So I didn't, I didn't, I can't comment on Ross Stewart's performance for these three minutes he was on the pitch, for example. I'm not entirely sure he even touched the ball when he when, when he came on, but that was, I was going to actually talk about Ross
0: Stewart, but we might as well discuss him now. I'm absolutely over the moon to see Ross Stewart involved with the Scotland setup. I know he, he's a player that perhaps means more to you than he does to me because I'm sure your brother played alongside the Rangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He played,
1: yeah, he was. He, uh, he, uh, he left our to step up to go winning in the first place. And I think my brother said the first time he came to the training, he was he's like a couple three or four years younger than my brother. But he um he was probably he was probably 17, 18 at that point, and he came along and they were like, Oh, his touch is terrible. Like, what, what are you doing with this boy? But then they, they saw him play and he was um like really rapid and behind and all of that stuff, and obviously a totally different level. But I think his game's developed a lot since then, and he's been following him very very closely um, so yeah my, my brother was delighted for him last night and yeah and obviously the, the Ayrshire connection it's always good to see Ayrshire taking over the, the national team and it's great to see having seen him play at Albion Rovers and seen
0: him play at Aloe Athletic I always get a massive pop for when guys that have, that have starred at that level in the past go on to, to to rise to prominence and it's brilliant to see just how he's developed as a football player. You know, I thought he was very effective at Ross County. I think they really found a role that suited him. And to see his record at Sunderland, I think that he won the Sunderland's Player of the Year, got them promoted back, back into the Championship. And he has records some almost like one goal every two games, which yeah, is I th- I think pretty, pretty good going. Considering he'd never necessarily been all that prolific prior to that.
1: Yeah, I think he kind of was like 11-8 or something for Ross County in the two seasons. So it was like, OK, but with what of players that score that kind of number of goals in the Scottish Premiership, and I wouldn't say it was a a, a, a sign of anything. But yeah, he's just, he's just been a constantly improving player, right? You just says it's one of those guys, with the exception of when he went to St Mirren and it didn't work and he had to sit back down, it's been a, an entirely upward trajectory. And I think that's always a good sign for a player. It, it probably says a lot about attitude, I think. It says yeah, 100%. Learning as they go, rather than thinking they've made it. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, to go from that level that he was playing at, right, to to playing for Scotland and, and playing for Scotland on merit as well. It's not like you know, Chuck chucked. chucked a, I mean, yes, he was chucked a, a cap in a shit game, but he he probably is on paper the third option up front now because um, he's obviously he's, he's gone ahead in this bit in that respect. Can yeah, the, the last year and he's going to be unless he moves somewhere he's going to be in the championship next season so there, there is it's really good to see and I think it's an insp- it's it's all of this it's like Andy Robertson's story or everyone it's also been there's a lot, it's an inspiration to everyone playing football if you're 21 18 19 whatever age you are and you're playing at any level in Scotland you can now look and go do you know what it's not inconceivable that <laughs> at some point down the line that's me and you know obviously, obviously it's a very rare case but it does give people yeah of course yeah
0: of course, and of course, Jacob Brown got his first cap for Scotland last night as well. The same, I think.
1: I think, he's, I think he's already had. He's already had three. Craig, but oh, has he? Yeah. Right, I stand corrected. They've the all state. been the same. They've all been. They've all been like. He's uh, either He's said third or fourth, but they've all been like five minutes off the bench. I, I get the feeling. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not convinced Clark is totally sold on. No, he's it's sold enough to keep bringing him back, but he's like, he's a young player as well, so. Yeah. I've probably been at games where he's uh, been involved, but that, that was only
0: the first time I can remember him coming on. I was really excited to see him, and was, I'd like to have seen them introduced earlier on. As you said, you've got like Adams, Robertson, McGinn. You think, like, right? Come on, let's like, maybe maybe change things up a wee bit, and and uh, before we got this Ireland game. But Craig, before we actually talk about the game itself and break down its constituent parts, could you explain to me what the Nations League is, what the purpose of it is, because. I, I'm not 100% sure myself. I know it's to eliminate friendly games. It's the idea that every game's competitive. Every game's got something riding on it. There's an the opportunity to qualify for big competitions, which has benefited us well. Obviously, we did well in the Nations League and that gave us a springboard to get into the, the Euros in 2020. Uh, but, but tell me, what is, what is the Nations League? For, for someone who's a bit thick and whose level of attention has decreased, the more he you uses social media, please explain it to me.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think what you describes, right. is like the. I mean. I mean for for UEFA, it's another chance to to take a wee back of control of stuff as well because friendlies they didn't they didn't have the they didn't sell the TV rights for so they weren't making money from so there's that aspect if you look at it cynically, but sometimes these cynical things work quite well I think and I think people are too skeptical of anything new, but in this case it's, it's been it's been an improvement on those friendlies and and it was about bringing together stratifying things right bringing together the best teams with each other uh, play so that the better teams play each other more often and also gives the worst teams like you know so you're seeing like San Marino, Gibraltar, Andorra all these teams play against each other so they've got a chance to achieve alright it's, it's like you know a success of a sort but they're, they're winning games and they've got a chance to win a group which they, they wouldn't otherwise so I think it's worked well for everyone um, except Ireland who've still never won a game in it um, until Saturday probably um, <laughs> but it's, it's given Scotland as well that sense of like we've obviously won that that first group um, with Israel and, and Albania the first time and then the second time around, we, we probably should have won the group and just fell short but it's given us this kind of chance to play against teams that are about our level to gauge mm-hmm. ourselves we've generally done well out of it we've, we've only lost I think a couple of, two or three games in the, the whole thing since it started but yeah that, that's that been the point in terms of how, the formulation but in terms of yeah, how it's how is how works obviously if we win this group, first of all we get promoted to League A, which would mean playing the big boys. Yes. Um which is is it I think it's good. I mean you've you've got the chance, you know, you're guaranteed you're no and and big okay big boys still include like Denmark and Switzerland and all those sorts, but you've you're probably going to play, you know, Italy, Germany, Spain, England, whoever and I think that's the way you improve, right? That's the way that when you come to these games against your the likes of Ukraine like we had last week, mm-hmm. you've just got more big game experience against those types of teams. But as well as that, all this seeding for for the European Championship qualifying is done by that now. So basically, if you look at the the groups that are coming out, there'll be 10 groups, I think for qualifying, it'll be the top 10 and the Nations League standings will be pot one. The next 10 will be pot two and so on. So if we win our group this time, we'll be guaranteed pot two. And given that two teams go through, that means you're basically seeded to qualify rather than like we were top three the last time. So finishing mm. second, we had to play above ourselves as such. Um, if we're the best runner-up, that'll apply too because Germany are hosts and already qualify. So that's a, a tangible, the other things, the playoffs that you already talked about, which if we, if we win our group, we're guaranteed one. If we don't qualify, if we finish second in the group, we will probably get a playoff because enough teams above us will drop out. If you if you finish below that, you you're kind of a bit in a wing in a prayer. You might so that's the incentives. I would be pretty disappointed if we don't finish in the top two in this group, given that we're I mean you saw what Armenia like and they beat Ireland at the weekend. So yeah. um, I, I think I think we can and should try to win this group because I think although Ukraine were, were clearly better than us last week. I think it would be fair to say they're going to be more up for a, a World Cup qualifier and you know that first game back than they're going to be when they're playing as in a neutral venue in Poland in mm-hmm. September or whatever it is because it's like and you don't know what's happened since then their their clubs aside from European competition probably are still still aren't going to be playing domestically mm-hmm. so I can imagine all the factors that we thought might affect Ukraine last week. Are much more likely to affect them mm-hmm. come September when we've got two games against them. I'm
0: sure they arrested a number of players though for that game against Ireland last night. I, th- I don't think Zinchenko or Malinowski or Yarmolenko were playing. out just at a glance at the team.
1: I think they they still did fairly yeah, well. They're, they're a good team, and I mean that's why they they are the top seeds as such in this. So because they came down last year, but yeah, I think I think. That that's what that's what it is. That's what it offers for us. It means we're we're playing. I I say playing against teams of our own level. Clearly, Armenia last night were not of our own level. They they came up the last time around, and and probably um yeah, we'll probably be going back down. Although Ireland might have something to say about that. Um, but that that is kind of the point. And I think I think it's been it's worked really well. I, I. liked the idea when it came around to begin with. Um I wrote some stuff for the SFA actually, like their the original explainer when it was brand new. Mm-hmm. It's obviously done well for Scotland. And and yet yeah, you can see there were 38,000 people at that game last night. So it's obviously captured the imagination enough to it, get fans. It's- Here's a
0: question for you, Craig. Imagine you were a journalist that covered St Johnston, and you were unhappy about the number of Nations League games that have taken away friendlies, and players like Xander Clark aren't getting a chance to prove themselves for Scotland. What would you say to these journalists that cover St Johnston?
1: Mm, I, well, I think I think goalkeepers quite a specialist thing because I think. I know Xander Clark is. Well, well, what Xander Clark had to do last night? Stand, stand about, <laughs> and maybe make one or two saves, take a, take a couple of goal kicks. Um, but but yeah, I mean yeah, you lose friendlies, but friendlies are shit. Like I, I I gave up on international friendlies in terms of attending them ages ago because there were so many subs being made. But even at that, the intensity was low you're still playing against teams you play against all the time. Scotland rarely play friendlies against teams that aren't European. So it's like, it just felt like a big, a big slog. And, and yeah, and I've said this before, Steve Clark's lost the chance to experiment. Since, since he took over as Scotland manager, we've had four friendlies in total, which were the two before the Euros when his squad was already finalised it was like warm up for that. And then he had the two in March that so we weren't even meant to have just because the Ukraine game got called off. That's been the limit of being able to use that. But he's managed to transition the team through anyway. Because if you look at that team last night, not many of them were kicking about the Scotland squad when he came in. You're looking at Robertson, McGinn, McKenna had played a few times. Christie had played. The rest were um, more, or to Armstrong as well, but the rest were all players he's introduced. He's introduced a lot of players. And because he's actually been picking them in games that matter, they're learning much faster. Like Billy Gilmore made his debut at Wembley against England, or he's, he's proper, like again, for, for start. That's not an issue if you're good enough. Xander Clark is probably never going to be the Scotland number one anyway. I'm sure he'll get a cap at some point because.
0: Can't allow that to happen. Gibson Johnson fans an inch, they'll take it, a mile. He'll be away, he won't be
1: won't playing for them anymore, at which point it's it's more acceptable, right?
0: Yeah, that, that's fine, actually. Transfers to Aberdeen, for instance, in the summer. <laughs> fine, give them all the caps in the world. Make the first-choice goalkeeper when Craig Gordon packs in. Two thumbs up from me. But th- thank you. T- to go back to your Nations League explainer, that is tremendously helpful. That's That certainly made it a lot more accessible, a lot more easy to understand for me. And I'm sure there might be people listening who don't perhaps get the concept either. So that's that's very helpful. But now we'll go on to talk about the match itself. Scotland to Armenia nil. And the first thing to talk about, Craig, is the starting 11. There were six changes made from the team that beat against the, the, the loss to the Ukraine. Sorry. The entire defence was reconfigured. Out went Cooper, Hanley and McTominay. In came Suter Hendry McKenna. Aaron Hickey dropped to the bench. Tony Ralston came in at right wing back. When the was missing through injury, um, and uh, Stuart Christie, Stuart Christie, Ryan Christie, and Stuart Armstrong came in to play off
1: uh, Shea Adams in attack. What did you make of the starting eleven? The, the, the surprise I would say to me was just um, well, there was two things that I was surprised to see McGinn drop deeper because I think he's been pretty effective higher up the park, but you can understand it, and, and it was fine. It worked all right. Um, I thought O'Donnell would start the game. He wasn't even on the bench, so I don't know if there was a, a knock. Obviously, he, he was not he only played a couple of games at Motherwell before the end of the season with an injury. Ralston, I, I said to you last week, i am still unconvinced about him. I think maybe it was a wee purple patch, but mm-hmm. in fairness to him, he had a very good game last night. He absolutely roasted their um their left back. That guy, that guy was not enjoying his night. Um both both on the deck, um, which is not something you see Ralston do, I'd say much. It's like he's usually about passing the ball in the field and a lot of energy, but you don't see him beating a man very often, but he beat him plenty of times. And then yeah, it was that aerial threat at the back post, which you, you saw. Um you saw and in... so, so yeah, the, the starting lineup was fine for me. Um I kind of expected a number of those changes to happen um, there was is, there is, as I say a couple of surprises but yeah, yeah the,
0: the, the one surprise for me was Andy Robertson starting I thought it perhaps in his best interest that he was just rested are just given time off or are told basically just go on holiday. You, we, we've got enough players that can that can cover for you. I thought he was excellent last night, though. I thought he was really good. Granted, you've got to factor in the paucity of the opposition into that, but I thought he was really, really impressive. A number of times he was like like the clever one twos with Adams and McGinn. Number of times that the whipping and balls. That's the, the kind of Robertson that you that you really expect to see for Liverpool, and I think we we saw that a bit last night. And I suppose in a way. It was with him coming off? You got to see Aaron Hickey play in his natural position at left wing back. Thought so Hickey was okay when he came on. You wouldn't have seen much of him because you were up the road by this uh, point. Dis- disgust as he- soon as he came on, <laughs> as I said. So but he was a uh, difficult tell. I don't think he, he was was really involved with that ball. Kind of hit the byline a couple of times without doing anything too impressive. But I
1: Robertson, do you think it was the right call to start him? I think we'll I think we'll find we'll find out um probably in the next two games because this is the one that you, I, I think obviously the circumstances had we got to the playoff final, I think this is the one that he would have earmarked for almost a complete new team for just almost getting rid of everyone that would have been the like, your first choice and giving them a rest. But because this is now arguably the easiest game, but it came after a week's rest already. Um I think and obviously there are a couple of things Clark With Obviously, it's much more important to win this game and to put in a performance given the, the negativity after last week. And the players probably had to, a few players, Robertson be one of them probably had a point to prove. So he probably wanted to play, as, mm-hmm. as I imagine several of them did. I now think Robertson will probably start all three games um, for these Nations League ones because I, I think... Had had there been a game he would be dropped for, it would have been this one. It might be that out in Armenia, um, you know, a, a knock appears or something like that. Um, I can imagine that happening and he doesn't play out there. But the the point of that is that would only be if he was tired, as in I'm too knackered from the previous game because after, like that Armenia game is the very last game of the season. So it's not like they have to save themselves or anything at that point. So, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I thought maybe Taylor would have started this game or Hickey on the left, but again, he probably was able to conserve a bit, and he did get taken off as I say, with what twenty minutes to go or something. The first ten minutes, I think Armenia touched the ball about six times. I'm
0: trying, to, I'm actually trying to think. If there's really anything interesting to, to say about this game because I mean, was actually we spoke about the build-up to it. We sort of spoke about the Nations League, I mean, the game itself. It seemed Scotland. Played well. Scotland controlled the game for large parts. The game at times was exclusively played in Armenia's half. Um, they had a good chance early on when Stuart Armstrong hit the post, sort of coming in uh, t- towards the back post. I suppose we might as well ask Craig, what do you make of Scotland's performance in the in the first half?
1: I thought it was good. Like I thought you you saw everything that they wanted to be passing the ball, quite a lot of quick movement. It's so hard to play against like a packed defence like that. Because what I would say is like we, I was thinking when I was watching again, like we're we not really got like we're not doing anything creative here. We're not like trying to pick wee holes because you saw their players, and it seems to be a, a a trait of like that particular part of the world, like all those kind of very extravagant like outside of the foot passes and flicked balls and stuff. I I I, I worked with an um, an Armenian guy, and we used to play five sides, and he was like so supremely skillful at all of that stuff, but he was so slow that like he would do it, and then you just Run, run back and get them again, um, and, and that kind of felt a bit like that last night. Yeah. Not to, not to kind of stereotype an entire nation off, off of one person that I've met from the country, but um, the yeah, it made it so hard to to make a judgment. So I was always say yeah, we maybe lacked a wee bit in that respect, but I don't know how useful they've been because they were so packed in that we were basically just shifting it side to side until a wee opening came and it usually did. Uh, yeah, yeah. Robertson played well. Ralston played well. They 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 got a lot of space in the wide areas. They were helped. There was, and that's why I like the three four three better because Armstrong, Christie can pull out to the wide areas and help. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you when we the way we played last week, it was like the strikers aren't doing that as much. Um, back three, I thought were all really good. Um, McKenna had a, a we. I said a wee bit of a tough time more than the others with it because they, they seemed to put their forward up against them, and he kind of did have a. A good physical battle with him But even on the ball coming out You, you saw him being better than Cooper At that from last week Although again it's, it's Everything with that, that caveat That he's not been pressed as well By yeah good players I I am growing to really like Jack Hendry I have to say um, And especially in that central role I think he has a real composure And elegance to his game And he is a big boy And he, he he's fast um, so, so he's very much we used to play against uh, teams all the time and they've got this big handsome fast tall strapping centre half and you're kind of getting that vibe off him that he should be like Norwegian or Polish or something <laughs> um, and, and maybe it's coupled with he, making his career in Belgium but um, I, I liked what I saw from him I think there's a there's a case to be made that in games like this one he's preferable to Hanley I like Hanley but he's more he's more cultured yeah, And Suter had a really good game as well. But again, you're talking about mainly you're judging those defenders on what they did with the ball because they didn't have to defend a lot.
0: No, I'm I starting I I to think notes of the Armenian players that I thought did well. And I thought Sagres Adamian, the big striker, gave us bother at points. And I thought the wee guy in the middle of the park, Koren Bayramyan. Look decent. I mean, I'm not sure if he stood out because of his hair or because of or because of anything else. it' was sort of the the sort of the, the Samwise Gamgee sort of haircut. But that that was. I mean, other than that, one of the things that I was one of the things that astonished me about Armenia was the time wasting that they did. They did it in the first half, which was maybe you can see there's a the, the thinking behind that. Is you you take this thing out of the game for straight Scotland. Then try and hitting the counter and 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 so on the teams down. But they were time wasting when we were two goals up. They were doing it. They did it in the second half. Somebody went down uh, like early on. It must have been five minutes into the second half. Someone went down with some sort of phantom ailment, and you're thinking, why? Who whose benefit is this for? Why why are you why are you stopping? It doesn't bother us we're winning.
1: It, it felt, it felt very much like they just didn't want to be there. That was the kind of vibe you got. It was like, like the boy, I, I didn't see it, but the boy that apparently chucked a, a bottle at the linesman um, or tried to, um, I never saw, I, I just read someone talk about it, but, um, but that'd have been an interesting thing for VAR to try and pick up. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, there was just, yeah, they, they, they were a gang. I think some if, if people described it as a gang and it was very appropriate for them. Um, the, yeah, they had all that. They were they were quite dirty. Um, they they were, There was definitely a few times where like someone like McGinn had the ball and they were just like, fuck this, we're not going to get the ball off and we're just going to kick him, um, which I think the referee was maybe not quite harsh enough on. You can absolutely see two things of why they ended up with 10 men in a friendly against Norway and also how they managed to lose 9-0 to Norway, which was uh, somewhat recently because they just looked, uh, they looked a mess of a team
0: one of the players I think for Scotland for me that's not struggled a little bit but was perhaps a bit off the pace was Stuart Armstrong and I mean that because a lot of Scotland's passes were quite precise and were being quite they were going into feet but a couple of times his passion was askew and there was a couple of times his touch let him down which isn't something to well certainly two things you wouldn't necessarily
1: associate with with Stuart Armstrong what do you make of
0: his performance?
1: Yeah I, I thought actually like he's his entire international career has been a bit like that. Like You know how good a player he is. He's, he showed it at Celtic, he's shown it at, he showed it at Dundee United, and he's shown it at Southampton now. But there's, there's never been an iconic you know, Stuart Armstrong moment. I, I didn't see the England game of the, of, in the 2-2 game, so I don't have the same negative thoughts towards him as other people because it seems to be all that's associated with him. But he's had Just lots clear of... the ball! Just <laughs> clear the ball! But he's had lots of chances... Um, and, and he does fine but there's, there's maybe always just that be something missing I actually thought after after we had the discussion about him uh, on WhatsApp I thought he was probably better before he went off I thought he finished quite strongly compared to how he started but everything that was kind of breaking down around him and there were still moments it was his delivery and it was a really good delivery for the for the, um, the opening goal but yeah there's a reason why he's generally not first pick when you're putting your first 11 on the park and I think we kind of saw it again he's me. He's maybe a bit unlucky that he, his personal style doesn't quite suit the style of the team because he's more about directness and stuff in a way that we, you know, he's a kind of back to front runner, box to box, and we tend to maybe to have prefer kind of spreading out, wide and stuff like that, and it, and it maybe doesn't quite work for him. But he's a good, he's a good player. He's a he's a very good player. But um, yeah, I would agree with you. He was the one. He was the one for me that stood out as maybe not having the best game.
0: But you did mention that he set up the goal.
1: It was a really good ball in from the
0: left-hand side, and there was Tony Ralston at the back post there to to nudge it into the side netting or over the line and into the side netting. Do you think he meant to header it on and on goal, or was that a header back across goal for someone else to finish?
1: Yeah, I thought I thought it was he was trying to put it back across. I think it was Adams was coming in for the tap, and um, that that was the vibe I got from it because. It was a tactic Scotland used quite a few times, was to play those deep, mainly more from set pieces, but play those deep balls to the back post and then header it, header it back out. And so it could have been that that was what he was doing, but nonetheless, we will we will take it. And and um, he he enjoyed the goal, and I think it's always good to see people, you know, getting their first goal and all of that stuff. And it gives us another option, right? I mean, he's 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 not half the player like Nathan Patterson is, but it gives us a different option
0: you did not have to wait long for one person scoring their second, their first Scotland goal because 11 minutes later, there was big Scott McKenna getting his first goal as well. But I just... Very, very straightforward goal. Just a, a, a corner into the back post, and there was Scott McKenna to, to smash it into the back of the net.
1: Yeah, Nothing it was scientific
0: funny. about this one. Just,
1: uh, just <laughs> a single. It was funny. I, I saw a lot of people saying, "Oh, well, hopefully that stops us from like you know fucking about with all these short corners and, and things." But the point is, you have to have the element of surprise. If if you do that with every corner, then Scott McKenna is going to be marked to within an inch of his life. But if they're worried that you might be playing it short or you might be switching it to the edge of the box. It, it creates that doubt. And I think you have to do that. And you saw the the disallowed goal from McKenna, which I've not mm. seen back yet. I, I don't, I didn't, at the game, couldn't work out what the hell was going on. So I did not know why it was... Well,
0: I was sitting, There's a couple of tellies in front of me. You could see he was offside, by like like half his body was offside when the, the ball went over in the first place. I know there was still about a good few bits of play with the ball hitting over the crossbar and then coming back in from Rawls a good leap actually in the byline. But yeah, it was offside in the the first uh, the first wee
1: phase. But but you saw that was a really well worked set piece. Um, and we talked about these set pieces last week. I think you have to have the variety. Yeah, you have to sling it in. And we talked about last week situational should have just been slung in all the time, but there is a time and a place for, for the short ones because it means that the other team doesn't just know what to expect every time. But yeah, that that was my main takeaway from the the McKenna one. And, and I was disappointed because I think he's obviously his first goal was a header. I think the second one was his right foot and yeah. that would have left him as a left-footed player having a a half chance of a, a perfect hat-trick, which would have been <laughs> uh, interesting. Um, but just running about trying to win penalties so he can step up and <laughs> smash one on his left. But... Um, yeah. there,
0: was, there was one player, Craig I actually thought he had a good game Maybe a frustrating game But I thought he did well And I was seeing some of the comments on social media afterwards And I, I don't like saying like well, Were you at a different game? Were you watching a different game to me? I thought Shea Adams had a good game I, I thought Shea Adams too. was a really good player for Scotland And I thought some of the heat that he was getting Wasn't quite
1: justified Yeah, no, I agree completely Um I think obviously on front, in front of goal he, he didn't have his best game and that's happened. I remember the, the England game at Wembley he lashed at one when when it was a pretty decent chance and that composure in front of goals maybe something to work on. But um, he consistently was um, making runs kind of off the shoulder of defenders and his channels. You saw him constantly moving and he was getting a bit frustrated because he wasn't always getting the balls played in behind. The problem was. I think when he's playing for Southampton a lot of the time, the the running behind is like 15 yards higher up the pitch. So there's more space for him to run into. But Armenia was so deep. He was still running off the shoulders of guys. But I think a lot of our midfielders are looking and thinking, that's a really hard pass for me because I've not got much space to play it into. Mm -hmm. But he dragged their defenders all over the place and and created so many openings for the midfielders. And yet, his touch is really good as well. His touch is so good when he gets the ball played into him. So no... I think he's by a by a real distance the best forward we have, and um, yeah. he his goal scoring record's not quite been there yet. But I think he will get goals. I don't think he, I don't think you have to worry. He's going to start, like, go ten games without a goal or anything. I think he's he's still got that kind of predatory instinct to know where to be. It's just not happened for him mm-hmm. recently. I thought that would have happened last night. Certainly the chance.
0: I need to exactly remember, the goalkeeper seemed to get himself in a bit of a call, was closed down by Adams. And I think that he was quite rightly actually trying to get, get the space opened up so he could get a shot before he was closed down. But the Armenian play, player swarmed him and the, the chance was gone. McGinn, John McGinn had a couple of good chances Scored score. He had one fantastic save by the goalkeeper to dip it onto the crossbar. But the one, I really wish it had gone in. The ball was, I think it was zipped a couple of passes zipped to him coming in off the right onto his left foot and he hit the thing first time from the edge of the area and it hit the, to- hit the top of the net
1: I thinking if that goal had gone in that might be one of the best Scotland goals I think I've ever seen. And I think you're starting to see that uh, you saw in the Denmark game as well that there are a lot of these passages of play that I think Scotland just you wouldn't have thought were capable of for a while and, and yeah. yeah. I think McGinn's not quite had his shooting boots on recently because I think he, he, he mostly wasn't hitting the target just the same as the week before, but he gives you that option. You, you know he's a threat. Opponents know he's a threat, and, and it does make us make quite a tough team to to deal with.
0: Is there anything else to be said about the second half?
1: The second half is a... a, a, a the game is a hose on event, but the second half in particular, like... Yeah. Um, the the Armenian boy the one of the best passes I've ever seen the that Armenian boy had like a zipped pass on the half volley about 70 yards the, the one when mm. I thought it was inbinding Jack Hendry got back really well with his pace but then then fell over the top of the ball and let the like, boy in anyway that was the yeah. only the only thing that I took away from the second half um, of the game
0: Aye that's I mean it's, it's a difficult game to talk about because it was just so comfortable there was no tension no like nothing at jeopardy, none none, none jeopardy there. And so it's it's like compared to last week where there's plenty to get off your chest, this one where I think everyone went up the road uh, quite happy from this one. But on to the next one, Craig, on Saturday, Scotland are playing the Republic of Ireland in Dublin. This is a a really poor uh, Republic of Ireland side who are having a dreadful time in the Nations League. As you mentioned there, they've, they've played 12 times, haven't won any of them they think they've what they've drawn five and lost seven. Lost to Armenia at the weekend, lost to Ukraine on Wednesday night. On paper, this is a fairly routine assignment for Scotland. They'd be disappointed with anything other than three points. Having looked through the Republic of Ireland team, they remind me a lot of Scotland about 10, 12 years ago, where the guys who they're sort of at the Top end, mid championship table players, maybe bottom end, couple hanging out at the bottom end of the Premier League. A real dearth of quality there, and, and a, a real lack of good players coming through. On paper, should win that.
1: Yeah, I think what what is important is not to get sucked into it being Ireland, if you know what I mean. Because there's like a you know a wee bit of history and stuff in the in the, the relationship between the countries, and it being a different game to if you're playing against you know what, Georgia or someone who might be that level of team at the moment. There's a lot of history with Georgia as well, right enough, but a different type of history. But um, the point is just treat it like a game against a poor team and not a game against Ireland. Um, Don't get sucked into all of that. Just turn up, be professional, and and we should beat them. I I would like to hope we can win the next two games. I, I think it's always... Hard to win three games in a row. To be honest, like no matter who you are, and especially they are two away games. If we get seven points, I'll be happy enough as in if we take four from these two. But we certainly shouldn't be losing one of them, and we on paper should be beating Ireland. I, I think they they are pretty poor, but you keep thinking like you know one of these days it will click, and and you feel like it. You know it could be the day against us, but.
0: I'd be very disappointed. You say seven points, Prague. To be honest, I'll be disappointed if we don't pick up the pick up all nine against him. I do appreciate it's the we're coming to end this this game against Armenia on Tuesday night will be the final game of what's been a bloody long season. And of course, these games have been shifted to where they are because of this. World Cup that's taking place in Qatar in uh, November and and December. That's a, that, that, that's an answer there. But I've seen like like Still and Albion are going back into pre-season training already. And I mean, to me, in my head, thinking, fuck that that seems really sudden. They've not played for about a month. Yeah. So that probably makes a degree of sense that that you, the players take a month off and then then uh, they, then get back into it. But I personally, I'm, I'm quite looking forward to a wee bit of a break. From football, to me, it feels like it's been a long, like a long season, both sort of like domestically and internationally.
1: I think because because we were obviously actually in the Euros last year as well. It just it just extended what Scotland's involvement was, and then mm. the League Cup starts. Really. I was like last night. Last night would be the last game I'm going to this season, mm-hmm. but then I'm I'm looking at my calendar, and it's almost exactly a month until Fraser Bravi Kelly in the um, the League Cup again, which I'll be going up for. So it's like. um you don't get that much of a break anymore, but which is fine. But yeah, I know I know what you mean. But that's why I'm at the at the fact that it's going to be bloody roasting in Armenia as well. I think it's going mm. to be in the 30s. Definitely, it's not something Scotland cope with well. Who was it we played? Was it Macedonia? We lost one
0: nil over in yeah.
1: Macedonia. It was playing like 30 degree heat. Yeah, we we were not as good a team then. That was George Bully's first competitive game. Jesus, there we go. So that's the, that's
0: the standard Republic of but, Ireland that, that just now. But uh, I, no, I'm, I'm hopeful for for, for, this, uh, for this, this nation's league campaign I think of it's a, a very, very favorable group. and as we've seen there, I mean we have we've comfortably the, the I'd say the worst side, the, one of the, the two worst sides we would dismiss them very comfortably. I'd, I'd hope to see the same against Ireland. that's, that's not getting ahead of myself. I mean I'd I fully admit that I got ahead of myself against the Ukraine, against the Ukraine, against Ukraine, for the Ukraine game. Like I, I, I underestimate them, but I don't think I'm necessarily doing that with like Armenia or or Republic of Ireland. I think that we should be looking to to finish the season a high and go go again uh, in time for the for the Nations league and in time for the Euro qualifiers. Exactly, I agree. Exactly. I think that's a, I think that's a good place to wrap up there, Craig. There's I mean, there's I don't think there's anything else at all. But have we missed anything? Is there anything we
1: haven't covered at all? I, I don't think so. Um, I'm I'm quite. I was like last week. I had a big list of things I wanted to get off my chest, and I'm sure the listeners uh, got got that vibe from the from the podcast when Craig said was able was was barely late like, to say a, a word in edgeways when from <laughs> on about it. But uh, this week I I came with a bit of an empty an empty. I like, just like just like just like some thoughts rather than anything else.
0: It was good. I, I listened back to it in the gym uh, the the next day. I thought this, this is a good podcast. I hope people enjoy listening to. it. And uh, certainly from the, the limited comments I saw online, people gave it the thumbs up. And I think that's all you can really ask for, particularly as diesel hits £2 a litre. So there you funny. go. Listen, the cost of living going up, but this podcast is still free. We thank you so much for your time for listening to us. Thanks so much for the people who are uh, spending money on Patreon. That means a lot of to us, there's tons of stuff that's going up there. On my phone, a podcast for Casino Royale, just dropped never seen it it's supposed to be very good uh so if you if you haven't watched i haven't seen it watch it and then listen to the podcast and see if their views match your own they're also still game podcasts if anyone likes that i, I love your i love your uh,
1: your constant reference to this as well it's just it's not
0: don't get it mate don't don't just don't don't get it still game I mean i get it like obviously I I, <laughs> I I i mean it's not like they're making jokes and I just, like they're completely over my head it's just that I just don't, can't fathom its, uh, it's popularity. Just a bunch of old guys swearing at one another.
1: But you're missing, the, you're missing the social commentary, Craig.
0: I saw there was some guy who made a big thread about... I saw a, like, a reason big thread about why Still Game was so popular and because it tapped into certain anxieties that the older community might have. And I was just like... <laughs> Great, great life. Well, you know, something great. God, 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 love them. God love them. The old people and the young people that enjoy watching them. And if you are a young or old person that enjoys watching still game, maybe give the podcast a listen too. You might, uh, you might find something worthwhile in there. But nonetheless, Craig, we have spent uh, too long in each other's company. It's time to say goodbye for maybe the the final time. I will there be a podcast after the Ireland game? Uh, who knows? Who, who knows these days? Who knows? It's some premier sport anyway, and I ain't shelling it another fourteen quid to watch that. As you mentioned, it costs two pound a litre for for diesel, and that's uh, one more expense. That that is the straw that
1: broke this camel's back. You've got, you've got your, you either have to choose between your seven and a half litres of diesel or your your ability to watch Ireland v Scotland, and there's only one winner for you, Craig. Exactly. It is my my SUV, my gas guzzler. <laughs> I, I, would, I would
0: drive that everywhere. <laughs> for a five minute walk to the shops, man. Nah, nah, take the take the big guy with me. But anyway, Craig, absolutely fantastic. Catch up with you, and I'll see you again soon. See you, pal. See you later. Cheers. Take care, and enjoy your football.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network